If you have your cell phones, what I want you to do is take out your cell phones. Um, and we'll first put it in airplane mode. Um, and then if you have a notes section in your cell phone, I want you to go to that notes section or if you want to use whatever other device you use, whatever other uh, app that you use to record your notes. I want you to go there and what I want you to do is to take down this website, uh, actually on the screen. This is a, a young pastor that I met. His church is in Lemonson, Massachusetts and we were at a, a prairie tr summit together, a pastor's prayer summit together and uh, and he's, he's going through this series for about, probably going to end up being about a year, but I really think it's going to bless you based on what I'm going to share this, uh, this afternoon. And I know that, well, I know that um, as I get going, I may forget to include this at the end, so I'll include it in the beginning. Also, I'm going to give you, I've, I've never done this before, but I'm actually over the next six weeks as we're going through the minor prophets, the minor prophets being Hosea all the way through Malachi. So there's 12 minor prophets and we have about seven sermons left during the summer that I'll be speaking. So this is what I want. Well, you don't have to do this. You can just leave it to me. But uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow you to email the church at mail at ptspice.org. And you can pick out the books of the Bible that you want me to cover. Okay? Now, just, just do one book. Okay? So you, you type out if you say, hey, I want... Bishop, I want you to cover the book of, um, you know, uh, uh, Zephaniah. Then, you know, say that. If you say, Bishop, I want you to cover uh, the book of Nahum. Again, you're going through from Hosea all the way to Malachi. You say, I'll, you know, I'll I want you to cover that in this mail. If you say, Bishop, I want you to go through the book of Hezekiah. Uh, I want you to make sure that uh, there's no book Hezekiah. So. I don't that that was kind of scary because everybody was like, yeah, okay, Hezekiah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I want you to practice because I'm going to be saying this a lot. Uh, this this message is going to be kind of deep. And so every once in a while I'm going to say for real, for real, and I want you to say for real, for real. Okay? Okay. So so get ready. For real, for real? Okay, okay, good. 
you're too young to be saying for real, whoever's. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Obadiah. Obadiah chapter 1, because there's only one chapter. Obadiah 1 verse 10. I'm reading from the Message Bible, and then verses 11 to 14, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Because of your murderous history that is violence against your brother Jacob, you will be filled with shame and destroyed forever. When Israel was invaded, you stood aloof, refusing to help them. Foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide up Jerusalem, but you acted like one of Israel's enemies. You should, have, you should not have gloated when they were exiled, your relatives, when they exiled your relatives to distant lands, you should not have rejoiced when the people of Judah suffered much misfortune. You should, have not, you should not have spoken arrogantly in that terrible time of trouble. You should not have plundered the land of Israel when they suffered such calamity. You should not have gloated over their destruction when they were suffering. You should not have seized their wealth when they were suffering such calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads killing those who tried to escape. You should not have captured the survivors and handed them over in their terrible time of trouble. I, I want to speak to you on the subject, Edom must die. Edom must die. Now, if you have your cell phones, I'm, I'm going to show you an image. Now, some of you may not be able to see uh, all of the words on this image, but those of you who are close enough to see, I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and I want you to write the top three words on this screen that appeal to you, that, that jump out at you, the top three words. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and starting right now. Just three, the top three words that jump out at you. Um, I know for some of you in the back, you may not be able to see all the words and, or any of them, but you know, my apologies for that. You have 10 seconds now. All right, let's move to the next screen. I want to talk to you about, I want to cover four things in this sermon. Number one, I want to cover what did Edom do that made the prophet speak such denunciation upon them? Number two, I want to speak about who is Edom? Number three, I want to speak about, so why should that matter to me? I mean, what do I care? This happened you know, almost uh, 2,500 years ago. And number four, I want to talk about, well, what's the solution? How, how can this change? How can it change? So what, what did Edom do that Obadiah prophesied such denunciation on, this, on these people? What, what did they do that God was furious about? And if you read the whole uh, chapter or the whole book, you're going to find that God is really ticked off at these people. So, so what did they do? Well, again, to put this in context, we spoke a few weeks ago 
that Haggai and Zechariah, they are contemporaries in the scriptures. Uh, Haggai is trying to encourage the people. They have just returned from the 70 years of captivity. Remember Jeremiah, he prophesies in around 627 BC that y'all, you know, y'all are going to be captured and uh, by Babylon, Babylon means confusion. You're gonna, you're gonna be, you're gonna be locked in there. You're going to be captives. You're gonna be subject to, to the nation of Babylon for seventy years. So, but you need to know. This is Jeremiah again in uh, chapter twenty-nine. He says, "But I know the plans I have for you," said the Lord. Plans for a future, plans for hope. In other words, after 70 years, you're going to get out of here. And by the grace of God, God fulfills his promise that in 538 B.C., they're able to get out. They return to Jerusalem. It's a mess. But God says to Haggai, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former house. Through Zechariah, he says uh, this is after about 15 years or 18 years of not building God's house. God encourages them. In 520 B.C., he says, come on, you guys got to build my house and that's why he says to Zechariah it's not going to be by might it's not going to be by power but by my spirit says the Lord and get started because the Lord is going to rejoice when you start so don't despise the days of small beginnings amen and, and so even some of us, as we're trying to exercise and get in shape, even if you just do two push-ups and then you go watch TV, don't despise the days of small beginnings. But backing up here, he's a, though we went all the way to the end of this restoration, Haggai, sorry, Obadiah is a contemporary of, of Jeremiah. So after Nebuchadnezzar, he comes into Jerusalem, one more time, he comes in the beginning of 506 BC, he comes and that's when he takes Daniel he, and, and brings Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, brings them to Babylon. Then he comes in again for a second uh, uh, invasion in 597 BC, and that's when he takes Ezekiel out. So Ezekiel, the Valley of Dry Bones, that whole thing, he takes Ezekiel out. Ezekiel never gets to return again back to Jerusalem. And then he comes for a final time in 586 BC, and this time Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians are so ticked off that they burn Jerusalem to the ground. They burn the temple to the ground, and what happens is that the people of Israel, the, the citizens of, of, of Judah, they're trying to escape the ruthless Babylonians and the Edomites refuse to help them escape. And we need to understand that we, we spend a lot of time talking about sins of commission. No, you commit a sin. But there's also sins of omission when you should have done the right thing and you kept your mouth shut. So what happens here is that, is that they, they, they refuse to help. They're like, hey, you know, not my problem. And let the Babylonians just ruthlessly destroy these people. Not only that, the ones who did escape, the Bible says that they stood in their way and, and, and 
block them from getting out of the city. The city is burning. The city is, is, is being torched. The temple is being torched. The Babylonians coming in and, and they are ruthlessly killing people. And, 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 the, and the, peop, the Jews, uh, the word Jew actually means from the tribe of Judah. So the, 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 Jude, the Judeans, they're trying to escape and the Edomites stopped them so that they could be captured and ruined. And God said, I, I'm, I've had enough of y'all. I'm going to judge you for what you did. So who are the Edomites? What? I mean, they know, we knew that they did something bad, but who are these people that God is like, oh, oh, you're really going to get it now? Well, Edom starts... And this is dangerous because Edom starts as a person. No, Edom starts as an embryo. Then a person. Then a family. And then a nation. Abraham gets this promised child and Genesis chapter 12, where God says, you're going to have a child, and through this child, the whole world is going to be blessed. And we know the story that God uh, has Abraham and Isaac, Abraham and, and uh, Sarah. They wait 25 years. Abraham finally has a son at the age of 100. Sarah has this baby uh, at the age of 90, and they name him Isaac, which means laughter, because First of all, it was like, God, are you really kidding? I had a baby at 90. <laughs> but then that, that promised child brings laughter in the house. Well, that child grows up to become a man, and he marries a young lady, beautiful young lady named Rachel. And they have a problem having a child. And never underestimate men who are husbands or men who will be husbands, never underestimate the power of a praying husband. The Bible says that Isaac entreated the Lord, intercede, begged the Lord for his wife to have a child. And the Bible says the Lord heard Isaac and made her pregnant in Genesis chapter 25. And so while the pregnancy is going on, all of a sudden, you know, uh, 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 Rachel is like, what, mm, what's going on in my stomach? It's like a battle going on in there. And you know, maybe it's morning sickness or what's going on here? And, and the midwife prophetically speaks to Rachel and says, you have not one children, child. In fact, you don't simply have two ch children in your womb. You have two nations. And they're going at it. And I prophesy to you, Rachel, that the oldest child is going to come out strong, but the oldest child is going to be subject to the younger child. And so as they're being birthed, they're coming out duking it. I'm coming out for us. No, you're coming out for us. Huh? And so... Uh, uh, Esau comes out first, but on the heels of Esau is Jacob, who in some translations, the scripture says 
that uh, uh, the name Jacob means heel grabber. He comes out. So now these two babies come out. Fast forward uh, to Genesis 36, and the Bible says Esau has another name, Edom. Esau has another name, Edom, but Jacob, in Genesis 32, he gets his name changed from Jacob to Israel. Whenever you see the name E-L at the end of a name, Usually it's a Hebrew name, which means God. So, for example, Michael or Michelle means who is like God. Samuel means I have asked God or asked of God. But here we have Israel, which means I have fought with God and I won. We used to, what do you mean by that? I mean that there's sometimes that you have to wrestle with God until you get the breakthrough. Tell somebody you got that right. Some of you are praying these cute prayers. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the omnipotent wonders of your universe. For yay, you move upon the galaxies. But when you're going through it, you need to pray for one of those ugly prayers. Mm, one, of them, one of them ugly, I mean, when your face is ugly. You know, like when the music's good, I mean, when the music's like, like, like I say, when the music stinks, that means it's funky. Okay. And, and, I, and, I, and I like, no offense, but I like black women when, when I married one. So I love black women. And because, because, you know, you know the people doing the two steps and but when the music like gets stinking, like like it gets like it just like gets in you, then all of a sudden you stop making that ugly face. <laughs> and and and, and some, sometimes God is waiting for an ugly face prayer because He's saying, "How badly do you really want it? Oh, I want to give it to you, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to wrestle me." for this thing. You're going to have to get up out of your bed at one o'clock in the morning and, and, and pray to two. And, and I know you got work the next day, but this got to matter to you so much that you'll stay up night, all night. So like Jason, Jacob, you said, I won't let you go till you bless me. That's, that's Israel. To your name and say, neighbor, your prayers are too cute. Yeah, you're, you're too you're too cute to be blessed. Mm -hmm. You're too cute. You 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 no you you putting all your makeup and you got all your nice you know creased jeans and like okay Lord here I am. Mm. Tell your name. So he's talking about you right now. So when we get to Genesis 25. Back up. How many of y'all have nicknames? Nicknames. Okay, nicknames, yeah, nicknames, nicknames. And, and some of us, you know, we have nicknames that we don't want people to know, you know. <laughs> Anybody, can I get a witness? I, 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 I remember I had a friend who, his, his, you know, his son obviously ended up turning up into a man. But I remember when he was about three or four years old, and the son's name was uh, Pisu. Pisu. And so I was, okay, I call him Pisu, little kid. 
And I finally said to my friend, I said, why you call him Pisu for? And he said, well, what happened was that we were trying to get him to the bathroom and he peed too soon. <laughs> now that's all right when you like four years old. Come on, but now you're a man, yo, Pisu. <laughs> Oh, I could go down a lane, but I need to stay in the word. Uh, say any anointing. <laughs> but uh, so when I was a kid, uh, a grade school, they used to call me Green Pea. You know, kids, hey, what's up, Green Pea? So, and so we, you know, we have different uh, nicknames. And I say that because Esau got his nickname from the fact that he loved Red stew. In fact, and we'll get to this later, he loved red stew so much that he sold his birthright for red stew. And the red stew was called Edom. So Edom translated means red. So basically, Esau's nickname was Red. What's up, Red? But he sold his birthright for red soup. Now you need to understand that in the in, in, in the Jewish family, there was the blessing and then it was the birthright. The 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 birthright meant this, that the oldest child would get twice as much as the other children. When the father passed away and he passed on all his wealth, he gets, this is, he gets the double blessing. Oh my goodness, this is good. That's, mm, you know, I need to come down here and slap somebody five. Uh, because, uh, just give me an invisible slap five. Okay, because that's why Elijah said to Elisha, I'm the oldest son. Out of all these sons of the prophets, I'm the one who crossed the river with you. And so as the oldest son, I want double your anointing. That's my birthright. Turn your name and say, neighbor, who you claiming double from? Isaac is a millionaire. Multi-millionaire. And Esau is so hungry that Jacob says, well, if you want some of this red stew, give me your birthright. And Esau is, quote-unquote, starving to death that he sells his multi-million dollar inheritance for a can of camel <laughs> tomato soup. And before you laugh, what have you allowed your flesh to sell out for from the enemy?
For real, for real. Fast forward, Israel is delivered. Israel turns into a family, 70 people go into Egypt under direction and the grace of God over Joseph. They go in 70, they come out 1.5 million people. God supernaturally delivers them with 10 plagues on Egypt, plus opening up the Red Sea, closes the Red Sea and destroys the most powerful army in the world. Let me tell you something. I know they didn't have internet back in those days, but when you have the whole sea open up, 1.5 million people walk through, and then when they're chased by the most powerful army in the world, and it closes up and drowns them, I got the feeling the Edomites heard about that. So now, as they're traveling on the king's highway, Oh, mm, mm. This, is the end of, this is the year of promise, right? As they're traveling the king's highway to the place of promise, Moses sends out messengers ahead and says, Edom, where your brother, man? Our daddy is Jacob. Your daddy is Esau. We're family. We just want to pass through your land on the king's highway to our place of promise. We're not going to touch your cattle. We're not going to touch any of your stuff. Please, all we want to do is travel through. The king of Edom sends a message back. If you come through any part of our territory, we will kill you. Moses sends another message. Come on. I mean, I promise. We said we won't, we won't touch anything. He, he, again, the king Edom, the king, uh, the Edomite king sends a message back saying, I am getting my army ready to confront you. Don't come through our land. And what ended up happening is that Israel, because of Edom, had to take the long way around to the place of promise. Tell somebody Edom must die. See, that's why I like the message Bible. It says, because of your murderous history. This didn't, mm, this didn't just start at 585, 586 BC. This has been going on for thousands of years, and I've had enough. Then David becomes king. I like the 2 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14. David becomes king, but David is a worshiper. And because David, who is a king, but he's a worshiper, the Bible says the Edomites were subjected to David. And the and the Lord and the Bible says the Lord gave David many victories. But then you go to the next king after David and that's Solomon. Solomon marries an Edomite. Then he starts worshiping the gods of the Edomites and God gets so ticked off at him that God raises up the Edomites to be an adversary of Solomon. Solomon's name is the Hebrew name Shalom, which means peace. Trust me, when you're not walking under subjection of the word of God, when you're not a worshiper, trust me, Edom is going to invade your peace. Mm. And you would think, well, this all ends in the Old Testament. These three well, it doesn't say three. These magi come from the Far East and they say to Herod in Matthew chapter 
2 verse 13. Where is this king who is born? King of the Jews, his baby. And, and Herod's like, wait, 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 what do you mean? I'm born, I'm, I'm the king of the Jews. And these wives says, no, we saw a star. Where is this king? And of course, we know the story that the wise men, the magi, they went to worship Jesus. They brought gold, frankincense, and, and myrrh. And then when they left, they left by another way because the, the Spirit of the Lord told the magi that Herod wanted to kill the baby. Say that with me. Herod wanted to kill the baby. He finds out that he's been deceived. He calculates when they saw the star. He realizes that the baby Jesus must be two years old. And the Bible says that he went into Bethlehem where the baby was born and killed every child who was under the age of two. Are you with me? Because he wanted to make sure that any, any, anybody who was going to compete for his rulership will be killed. Well, what's the big deal about that? What, you don't, what the Bible doesn't share with you, but through research, they discovered that Herod was an Edomite. The Edomite always wants to kill the thing of God. So you may say, well, what does this matter, Bishop? I mean, thanks for the history lesson, but what, what, does, this, what does this matter to me? Obadiah is a Hebrew name. And it, and it means worshiper of Jehovah or servant of Jehovah. So you have, and I need to come down here for a moment. And so you have uh, Romans chapter 12, verses one, verse 1. And it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your body a living sacrifice, holy and what? acceptable unto God, which is your, what? Reasonable service. That's what the King James says. Obadiah, again, servant of the Lord. But the NIV says, which is your reasonable act of worship. So you find, so Obadiah is a worshiper of God, or his also name means servant of God. So let's, let's back up for a minute. Um, how many of you all typed out a word that, uh, that struck you from the picture that was on the screen. Anybody? So, uh, what word struck you? Triumph. Triumph, okay. Courage. Courage. Anybody else? Peter? Power. Rebellion. Sir? Rebellion. Way over there? Sacrifice. Devotion. Excitement. I thought saw some folks over here. Huh? Community, suffering, anybody way over there? S what? Speed, beauty, way over here. Yes, ma'am. Courage, beauty, charity, devotion. Okay, way in the back. Fire, fire? Woo, fire. Okay, so you hear all those words. I, I, one of our members is, a, is an artist, has her own studio. This is the DJ Tao. Some of her paintings are downstairs. And, I, and I, so I, I, I emailed her and I asked her this question. What does red represent? And before I get to that, let me tell you, 
Let me read some scriptures to you about the color red in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 30 to 33 says, the deception, talks about the deception of red wine. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, many of us know this, that though your sins be as scarlet red, I will make them whiter than snow. Jeremiah 22, verse 13 to 14, talks about King Jehoiakim built his house of injustice with the color red. And then finally, Ezekiel chapter 23, verse 13 to 15, says a woman, talks about a woman who commits adultery with soldiers who are dressed in red. Again, can we show that image one more time? Because red, I, when I asked Deidre about the color red, she said red is the color of power, war, anger, passion, Bold sensuality. You see words like lust, anger, rebellion, murder. In other words, red represents passion. Red, red represents our sensual self. Red represents our human nature. There is two people who live in us. There is a spiritual us and there is a flesh us. There is a carnal us. There is a human us. Mm. And Paul says it this way. Everybody with me? Don't worry, it's going to get really more. In Romans chapter 6, verse 6, Paul calls this, this Edomite in us, this, this, this passion within us, this old nature. He calls it the old man. And in Romans chapter 6, verse 6, he says that the old man makes us a slave to sin. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, he says the old man deceives us with lust. Mm. And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 9, he calls the old man a liar. What's this all about, Bishop? This is, this is my official sermon to prepare you for summer. For real, for real. In New England, when the weather gets cold, the clothes come on. But two weeks ago was Memorial Day weekend, and those of us in New England know that is the unofficial beginning of the summer. In two weeks, the official beginning of summer will occur. And the temperatures, even right now, it will be 90 degrees today, 90 degrees tomorrow. And we find that in New England, when the weather gets hot, the clothes come off. For real, for real. Some of y'all didn't like it that way. I said in New England. <laughs> the clothes come off. <laughs> so we have 
this why should this matter? We we have these two people battling battling inside of us. I have two people battling. I have the human Brian Green, who was born in January 1959. So the human Brian Green, you have to do the math. I'm 58. Okay, turn your name and say he doesn't look that old. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and then you have the spiritual Brian Green, the new man, the born-again Brian Green is, well, is, uh, was born again in 1969. And so here's the challenge because we have in us these two guys duking it out. Mm. So you have the new Brian Green, the old Brian Green, uh, maybe as summer comes and the old Brian Green, like, ooh, Lord have mercy. But the new Brian Green, born in Christ, says, if your eyes deceive you, pluck them out. I say, well, I just rather would divert my attention. <laughs> Think that's the easier of the two. <laughs> But there's this battle. And I mean, for me, okay, I'm 58. I've been a, a, a believer 48 years. So, you know, hopefully some things have changed. But for some of you, you you've been Mary or Joey the sinner a whole lot longer than you've been Mary or Joey the saint. So, so the Edom part of you maybe 35 but the Israel part of you is 3 so that means Edom kind of got a head start for real for real so it doesn't matter <laughs> if you play sports in a Christian league because we find out who the believers are when the passion comes up. Some of you all, you're very passionate about competition. Just, 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 just look straight ahead. And, and so for me, I know when I was a younger guy, it was like win at all costs. And there was Edom in me. And, and, and Edom was like, if you can't, I play football. If you can't beat them, beat them up. <laughs> I remember at 12 years old, 12 years old, 12 years old, we lost the game two to one. It's, it's, I don't mind getting blown, but two to one. And I remember, you know, literally they teach you after the game, you go shake hands, nice game, nice game, nice game, nice game. I wasn't nice gaming. The guy came up to me, nice game, and I went, boom, punched him in the chest, and I said, nice game that. For real, for real? 
See, see, some of you all, <laughs> ah, some of you all, in the spirit, actually, I know, I know, I'm going to get on my African brothers and sisters, you know, Nigerians and Ghanaians and, 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 and see, because you all know the scripture and you speak such proper English, like, like because the boarding school, for God so loved the world. <laughs> That he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I mean, when you pray, you have pray before, and it's like, okay, you, you know, and then you have somebody from Boston who's in a park, the car, and have a yard. You pray like, no, no, I'm not praying after that person. And I say that because with all those scriptures you quote, get Get some of you all on the soccer field. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, there's... And what happened? For God so loved the world. What happened to that? For real, for real? And so it's always amazing when we play basketball in a, in a Christian league, and all of a sudden you hear words that you don't hear in the church. And, and, and this is the thing. Come on, help me out here. Inside of you, there is the spirit man that says, you know, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, have patience. But Edom is like, shut the faith up. For real, real? Don't look at me like that. Because there's this battle. Even in the shopping lines. You're trying to get out of that jungle called Market Basket. I don't know why you're shopping at 12 noon on a Saturday anyways. That place is crazy. Can I get a witness? And you know, you finally are in the line. And it says 12 items are under. And just as you're going through, someone zooms in front of you with 50 items. And Edom says, can't you count? <laughs> for real, for real. And the devil starts handing you words to say. Can I get a witness? Words that don't even usually come out of your mouth. The devil says, I have a suggestion. Can I get a witness? The Spirit of God saying, says to you, Father, forgive them. Because they know not what they do. Edom says, they know what they did. For real, for real. You all can act all holy if you want. Uh, praise the Lord. No. <laughs> when the anointing comes over, I just pray for them. I'm, I'm, come on, folks. I'm sitting there, and my, you know, I'm just like, you know, mm, mm, mm. And then finally, when they're about to check out, they don't have enough money. I forgot my wallet in the car. <laughs> and the Spirit of God says, the Lord is testing you. And Edom is like, shut up. I don't want to be tested. I want blood. Thank you for being. See, see, the rest of these folks need salvation. 
There's this constant battle every day. On the job every day. You'll leave this place and you'll drive and the Holy Ghost says, don't drive by the Charles River because you know they're not there to get baptized. <laughs> the Holy Ghost is saying, escape. <laughs> Go that way. And Edom is like, no. <laughs> for real, for real. You know you shouldn't be talking to that dude. You know he ain't saved. He ain't even thinking about Jesus. He has one ministry. Yeah, the laying on of hands. For real, for real. And the Holy Ghost is saying, escape, escape. And Edom is saying, ah, ah, da, da, human nature. And then, and then, and then, because you don't want to be under the conviction of the Holy Spirit, then you just act like, well, I, I, I don't know. How do I know if he saved or not me? He goes to church, so who am I to judge? Who am I to judge? Well, <laughs> there's a jury, there's Mary, there's Diane, there's Tasha. There, oh, there's a whole lot of people in the jury. Ooh, it's quiet in this Pentecostal church. Edom, when you get passed over, for a promotion. Have you spent the last year giving that person who got the undeserved promotion the stink eye? And, 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 and Jacob in you quotes Psalm 75, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. It was quiet in here. And then the Lord says, not only have I allowed you to be passed over for the promotion, but I'm going to ask you to train the person. <laughs> Why couldn't you just preach about Obadiah and be done with him. <laughs> so what's the solution? Edom has a murderous history. Edom refused to help them escape. Edom actually blocked them when they escaped. Who is Edom? Edom is the older brother of Jacob. What does it matter? It's our old nature constantly battling. And Paul, if you get a chance, read my God, he says, 
read Romans chapter 7. The good that I would do, I don't do. And the evil that I said I won't do, I do. He says, oh, miserable, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this struggle? And he says, thanks, God, there's a way. It's through Jesus Christ. And then it starts out, there is no condemnation to them who walk in the spirit. The solution for all this is the cross. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is the shortest part of it, and then we're going to pray for you. I said, it talks about, I, Paul says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, help me out, but, not, but Christ now lives in me. And the life that I live now, I live by what? Faith, the Son of God. Why, why, who loved me? Why is that so important? It's because to get, to cause Edom to die, I must appropriate the cross. And why do I need to appropriate the cross? Because Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 says that the blood of Jesus frees my conscience from doing dead works so that I can serve the living God. I don't have to walk in sin consciousness. I can be delivered in my mind because Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his mind, that's who he is. Jesus said in, in, in Matthew chapter 12 verse 34, 35, says, out of the abundance of the heart, the evilness is in our heart, the, the Edom is in our heart, but the cross, it is the blood of Jesus that frees us. I was talking, and, and then here's our problem. Just give me five more minutes. And then, and then I, and then I want to be transparent with you. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, after Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible says their eyes were open. They saw their nakedness, and they were ashamed and they hid. Up to that time, the Bible says in Genesis chapter 25, the last verse, that they were naked and unashamed. But when sin entered the picture, they were ashamed and they hid. Are you with me so far? One of the frightening things about this is that there's a scripture in 2 Kings chapter 18, verse 6. It says, Jehoram becomes king. He's 33 years old. He's a millennial. And, and he, marries, he marries Ahab's daughter. Bad move. He does evil in the sight of the Lord. The Edomites revolt against Judah. Edom declares its independence, and that's why some of us are struggling right now because our, our human nature has declared its independence from the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost to control our minds, our thoughts, our behavior, and our actions. Edom 
has declared a declaration of independence that I'm not going to do what God said. And our spirit man is pleading, this is what the word says, and our flesh says, I'm not doing that. But this is what struck me. There's a town called Libna, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 22, that revolted also at the same time Edom. Libna, let me say this, and then we'll get into one more self-confession. Libna means whiteness, holiness. Isaiah said, though your sin be a scarlet, I'll make it as white as snow. But limna also means, here we go, transparency. When Edom revolts, when your own nature revolts and says, I'm not doing this, one of the first things to go is transparency. Because you start hiding shame. And the challenge that we have now as we go, and this is heavy now, many of us will not be delivered from shame until we become transparent. Ooh, this is heavy, this is heavy, this is heavy. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9 says, our old man is a liar. I got some tough news for you. You will never be healed of Edom until you find somebody to confess to. This is heavy now. I don't care how many, you can come to this altar 800 times and we can, we can, we can get one of those bottles and just spray oil all over you. You will not be delivered until you confess. James 5 verse 6 says, confess your, confess your what? Thank you, Elder Nita, because they don't like what I'm, they don't like my word. Confess your faults. Confess your faults. I confess it to the Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. Confess your faults one to another. Find a human being that you might be healed. Could it be that you're not healed because you're hiding stuff? Oh, it's going to get more real. Adam and Eve hid because they were naked. I know we see these nice paintings and we saw the passion of the Christ, and, but you need to understand that when they crucified men, it was to take away their complete dignity. So men and women who were crucified they were on the cross naked. Jesus is on the cross. Mm. 
And this is the mind of God, and that's why if you ever want to get a chance to look at that website where, where Pastor Emmy, he's gone through a, a deep, a deep walk with the Lord, dealing with shame, and he's on this uh, tremendous series, and for, you, for those of you who want more about but I remember you sharing this, and I, 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 it struck me that he said, Jesus was nailed to the cross so that he could not cover his nakedness. He could not cover his shame. Could you imagine you are rabbi? You minister to Mary and Martha and all of these women, and now they're seeing you naked. In the shame of the cross, your mother who maybe hasn't seen you naked since you were two years old. Now you're stripped naked and your hands are nailed so you cannot cover your shame. And what the Lord is saying is that we can be covered by his grace if we will appropriate the cross so that supernaturally by his spirit, I can give to him my shame. He bore my shame on the cross so that I no longer have to cover up and act like somebody who I'm not. And here's the challenge. Have you found somebody who you can put the shades up and say, this is what's going on in my house? And most of us are afraid to do that. I've discovered that it's easy to raise the shades in daylight because you can't see anything. But it's at night when it's dark and then when the shades come up, you can see everything. That's why most people keep their shades down. For real, for real. My wife and I, and I shared this with her this morning, so she's given me permission to share this. In our marriage, we, we've known each other all her life. We were raised in the same church. We were raised on the same street. So, if we've known each other all those years, and then on May 28th, 1983, I'm standing before a bunch of witnesses saying, I love you for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, to death do us part. And then I realized, and she realized that there was some stuff that was going on in our marriage that we were ashamed to share. For real, for real. I'm not talking about adultery, but it was not good. And for, for 15 years, we were We we were playing marriage. 
What do you mean? Did you? Oh, yeah, I loved her. She loved me. But there were areas in our lives that we said, I, I, I can't let her know this. And she was like, I can't let him know this. And so for 15 years, Edom is running around in our marriage. And in, in, our, in our sex life, there's this, and we're trying to figure, well, what is this? And then finally, 15 years, 15, five years, we got transparent and put up the shades and said, this is us. And there was weeping and crying, but we were set free. See, for some of you, there's stuff going on and you're like, what, what, why can't I get out of this? It's because you keep hiding that shame and it's like a virus. You can act like it's not there, but it's there. And so, Today, we're going to begin having a funeral for the Edoms in our lives. Husbands and wives hiding stuff. It's, it's just going to reek. I mean, you, you'll be okay, but you won't be free. I mean, we're okay. We, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Huka Mashanda, still preached under the anointing. But there was always this something. Because you're hiding stuff. And I'm not saying tell the whole world. But I know God has given each of us, or will give each of us, a friend. He, the name Jonathan means gift of God. David was never the same when he lost Jonathan. Because when he and Jonathan first met, Jonathan basically stripped himself of all of his weapons and says, this is who I am. I got your back. We need a Jonathan in our lives. And some of us, the Jonathan is facing us. We just, are, we, we just don't trust the Jonathan. For some of us, the Jonathan may not even be our same color. We call it a brother from another mother. It's time for transparency. Let's all stand. Husbands, are you hiding anything from your wife? 
Ooh, Jesus. Wives, are you hiding anything from your husband? God, I'm not married. Oh. Do you have a Jonathan or jo uh, Johanna? Who you can pull up the shade and say, this is, this is where I am. I'm going to put him out there just, just as an example of what happens when you can be, when you're really transparent. You, you, you saw uh, Walter shared last Sunday and the amazing transformation that he's experienced. But part of it is because he's found his Jonathan or Jonathan's and basically has took the risk to say, this is who I am. And as he declared, I'm a father in the Lord to him and we've had for real, for real talk. And there's people who I'm seeing in this church who are being set free because they're no longer hiding their shame. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. We're going to have a massive, well, maybe it might not be massive. We're going to have an altar call. But the altar call is not you coming here. The altar call is if this, if God is speaking to you, this is what, this is what I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray that A, if you don't know who that Jonathan is, that you would, I'm going to pray that God will reveal to you who that Jonathan is or that Johanna. Because for some of you, God sent you to this church because your Jonathan, your Johanna is right here. So I want to pray that God will reveal that person to you because some of you would say, I don't, I don't have that kind of person in your life. And that, that, that's an honest assessment because you, you've learned to hide so much that the challenge of hiding shame and, and, and putting down the shades is that, you know, no light, no view comes in, but no view goes out either. The second thing I'm going to pray for is for those of you who you know who that Jonathan or Johanna is, but you don't, you're fearful to take the risk. For some of you, you've been burned before. And we want to pray for you that God will give you the boldness and the strength. I am so proud of the woman in our church, the, 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 the sister, was it sister, sister, what is it called? Meetup groups. Where they talked about some for real, for real things. And can I say this to you? Make sure you share with somebody who can keep their mouths shut.
Or if you have these groups that, you know, the meetup groups with, you know, you're pouring out your heart. These groups, turn your name and say, neighbor, these groups need to be like spiritual Las Vegas. Now, now, those of you, I know some of you may not be from this country, Las Vegas, yeah. There's a saying that it goes like this, what's done in, stays in. When, you, when you're going deep into the root of stuff, bondage to pornography, sexual abuse in marriages, Ray, uh, no, uh, violent rages that you don't want anybody to know about these things that you're ashamed of. When God gives you that Jonathan or that Johanna, or if you are that Jonathan or Johanna, you need to say, it stays here. That's the beauty of Stephen's ministry. Because one of the first things that's stressed over and over and over again to Stephen's ministry trainers is confidentiality. Can I say this one more thing and then we'll pray? If, is everybody all right? Okay. Could you come up here, Elder Roy? Could you come up here, Elder Anita? Okay. I, I know we need to say this to you. When you speak with Elder Roy... I'm going to tell you right now, do not assume that he has told his wife. Because what you said in his office stays in his office. And many times people will come up to him and say, well, I know you told your wife, or I know your wife. No, and he's like, what, what? no. It's confidential. Am I right about that? Right. And so I, I, I say that because I want you to PT has got to be a safe place where you can say the most ugliest thing of your life and say, finally, I'm free from the guilt of shame. Thank you, Jesus. If this message has spoken to you and you're saying, I... I Edom, Edom needs to die in me, and I, I need one of those points. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now, wherever you are. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. I'm not going to ask you to come to the altar. You're at your altar right now. And we're not playing this game. This is, this is for real, for real. And I want you to lift both hands. And we're going to trust that the Holy Spirit will begin to escalate your journey to freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Do you feel the presence of the Lord here? Now let him minister to you. Put those hands up and sing with me. Create in me a clean heart
praise team, could you help me? Purify me, create in me a clean heart so I may worship thee. We're closing on this. Come on. me I know your Holy Spirit create in me uh, uh, this is our prayer to the Lord so I may worship and when I expose myself cast me not Don't take and restore, restore so that I
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we come to you. We come to you. We come to you. Admitting that we need you. Father, we have believed the lies that it's okay to live a a guarded life. A, in some instances, a fake life. And Lord, this is a church where you want to get into the tangled areas of our lives the messy areas of our lives so that you can bring full restoration. And so, Lord, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, and I really believe you started your work with the, with the women's meetup groups. And, Lord, you are really taking this church through a journey of sexual purity where we are able truly to offer our bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God and Lord the beauty of this is we're not saying that we won't make mistakes we're not saying that we won't disappoint but Lord I believe you're bringing us on a journey where we'll no longer, we'll no, where, where no longer our first instinct is to hide the shame. I prophesy, Lord, that in this season, many are going to come out of hiding. Not because Brian Green said something, but because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Mm. it's not going to be by might or ingenuity but the spirit of the holy of the of your god the spirit of god is going to is is sweeping through pentecostal tabernacle and i believe holy spirit you're going to put it in our hearts that this place is going to be safe harbor this is going to be a place that is judgment free it doesn't mean we can do anything we want to do but it's going to be a place where people are going to be free to say 
I'm going to pull up my shade so that you can see the ugliness in my life. And I'm counting on you that you will pray me through this so that when I can, so that I can get on the other side of victory. Oh, yes, Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. Father, I, I thank you because husbands and wives are going to have some conversations by the Spirit of the Lord. And Father, the season is coming where we're not going to have to ask to such and such get free. It's going to be in their walk. It's going to be in their talk. They'll have that twinkle in that sparkle in their eye. Ah, oh yes, yes, yes. Where we won't have to, where it won't be, did they get set free? It will be, my God, what happened to them? And so, Lord, we honor you for your presence. Thank you for your people's patience. But we realize that, Holy Spirit, you were doing surgery this afternoon. You were doing heart surgery. And we thank you, Lord, because people need, you want people to understand that this is not a one and done. That you're going to be really, this is, this is just you beginning surgery. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, because people are not going to have to wait to, well, when, when, when is Bishop going to speak about this again? No, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're, you're going to start retching it up, so to speak, these discussions. We're going to bump into people who will talk about these things. You're going to get books in our hands and sermons in our hands that said, you know what? This ain't about me and the church. This is about me and you. I'm talking to you personally that I bore the shame for you on the cross of Calvary. Stop carrying the shame. And I'm going to give you your Jonathan. So, Lord, I bless your people. What a fantastic, incredible week in you. I bless your people with the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Father, I bless your men that next weekend at the men's conference that you're going to reveal to some of us, that's your Jonathan right there. That's your Jonathan. That, that's the person I placed in your life who's going to help you to be delivered, to help you to be restored. That's, that's the person. I, I know you're not in the same educational background. I know that you're not in the same ethnicity. I know you're not the same color. I know your backgrounds are totally different, but I raised him up for you, and I need you to say amen. I need you to say amen. I need you to say amen.